0: So I'm going to read a psalm over you. Um, And what I'm about to say to you is a little different than what I normally do. What I normally do is I prepare a sermon. This was two days ago. I felt like God was like, read this over the people, challenge them to a few things, and then let me have them. So that scares me more than preaching. So um, Psalm 78, verse 32. In spite of all this, they still sinned, and despite his wonders, they did not believe. And so I believe the Lord's saying to many of you today, and cobblestone as a whole, like we're we're the God chasers, the hungry servants, the ones that'll intercede and pray and will cry to the Lord without ceasing and not give up the task that's before us, which is to believe the Lord because he's done many wonders and did not to turn to sin despite all that he's done for us. And so there was three things that really stuck out to me, and it was, it was a statement I said a while ago, but it's, I just don't expect much from you. And to put that debt to death in us, that our faith, we would not, not only expect much of the Lord, we would ask much because he's a good dad. The second thing was that faithless Christians don't pray. And the third thing was that we need to give God what is His. And so the very breath in your lungs, the money in your bank account, really I can't list a thing that's not His. And so the thing that was in my head was, what if I just walked off the stage, read that scripture over you, and let the people of God respond to the Spirit of God? So that's pretty much what I'm about to do, except that I know that the Lord is, I don't think the Lord is condemning, I think the Lord's inviting. So if it's in spite of all this, they still sin. What if we said because of what is God, God has done, we turn from our sin? And instead of despite his wonders, we, they did not believe. We said because we remember the wonders of God, we believe, Lord. And so I, I hear an invitation from the Lord to every person and soul in this room. And I don't know what the response will look like. I think some of you should fall on your face and beg for forgiveness because you've returned to sin. And I think some of you should remember the wonders of the Lord and yell for joy. I think some of us, let the Lord deal, but I'm putting you before the living God, which makes me scared to be in the middle of the stage. I place you before the living God, and I pray that you would listen to him, that you would talk with him, not at him. That you would, prayer really is, is a trust act. It's entrusting your life and your kids and your money and all you are and entrusting it to him. So, Lord Jesus, I pray you do what you want to do right now. I'm going to walk off this stage, and I don't know if no one's going to move. But, Lord, I pray we hear your voice. I believe you are here, and you are worthy. And so, Lord, I don't want to live this for out. In spite of all this, despite his wonders, like, Lord, we remember your wonders. We turn from our sin. We declare your goodness. We believe in you. We believe. Help our unbelief. And so, Lord, we, some of us repent, some of us pray, some of us are going to grab our spouse and pray over. I don't know what's about to happen, but, Lord, just make it a response and a sacrifice and a service to you. So, Lord, here's your church. Have your way. Thank you. Jesus, this is your church. It's not ours, it's not mine, it's yours. And so these are your people bought with your blood, and I pray that you would forgive us for taking lightly what you've done on the cross and returning to our sin. Though You paid for all our sins, and yet we return to it, it makes no sense. So like burn like a fire in this room and purify your bride. And Lord, despite all your wonders and all that we have heard about your great name, we stop praying sometimes because we don't believe. Forgive us, God. Our hearts cry. My prayer is that faith would soar a cobblestone, that we would believe and we would ask and then we would see with our eyes the glory and the goodness of God. We don't turn back, God. Forgive us for our fear. Forgive us for our shame. Forgive us, God, for not taking you at your word. You're a good God. You are worthy, glorious, true, beautiful in every way. And so we worship you now. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to take over this place. Not even continue, like take over this place. And so people of God, if you'd stand, I want you to worship this, that last song again, but I want you to actually sing it like God was in the room and you were singing to him. And if that includes jumping, you should probably jump or kneel or clapping or yelling or just giving God what he's worth.
1: And help me set my eyes on no other You give me sight to see You're everything
2: I need In Jesus
1: Oh, I believe set my mind on no other. You give me perfect peace. You are
2: my victory. And help me bow before no other. You are my holy King. Deserve No.
0: that's good to worship you. It's good to gather and for you to be in the midst of your people, which has been my prayer for so long, that you'd be in the midst of this and that we'd hear your voice and that we'd follow you. So God, thanks for what you're doing in this room and I pray you'd do all the more as your word is preached, that you'd produce in us by your spirit the things that need produced. Thank you for your body. Thank you for this, this place right here. Producing us what you want, in Jesus' name, amen. So as you grab a seat, I want to play a video, uh, and I wanted to segue it because it's a little unfair to like go straight from deep worship into like what I call missions minute, and so it's no less important though, or robbed of any power, because God is at work in this community, and God is at work around this country, and we always like to highlight this. So if you'd watch this, um, and then Kristen will be right out.
3: The Bible says this is love, not that we love, but that he loved. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love by sending Jesus when we were still sinners. And then the crazy thing is when we taste that love just a little bit, then we start loving him back. And then the more we love him back and the more we're filled up with his love, then we start splashing that love out because we're overflowing with it. When we do Missions Minute, The point of that is for you to see how our church is supporting ministries and missionaries locally and around the world who are splashing out that love everywhere they go. And I tell you, there's a splashy lady I get to introduce this morning, Trina Newcomer, and she's going to tell us how she, who loves the Lord, is splashing out his love right now. Will you welcome Trina with me? So, Trina, will you tell us a little bit about the
4: ministry? Uh, I am the director of the Oxford Women's Care Center. We're on 10 Ray's Way, right off of College Corner Pike. And we serve the Oxford community, but we also have an outreach that we go all around the, all around the surrounding area. I love it. Can you think of one story recently where
3: God just showed up in the midst of your ministry? Oh, Oh, my gosh, just one?
4: <laughs> well, we only have time for one. Oh, okay. Well, I, I had um, one thing we've had, 12 who chose life last year since we've been here last year, 12. And I have one who uh, was decidedly going to have an abortion, and this was last fall. And I, I prayed, and I thought, Lord God, please help me. But you know what? She says, I can't do this alone. And I said, you're not alone. God loves you. God loves you. I love you. The baby was adopted out this last May. She kept her child, but she said, you know, I feel so guilty about leaving. I said, but yet you gave your baby life. So that's really cool. Thank you. I love that. I love
3: that. So how can, of course, this touches our hearts and it's local. So how can we get involved? How can we
4: support what you're doing? Well, I tell you what, uh, a lot of you already support us monthly and uh, by a financial donation or by giving back, giving us baby items like bumbo seats and pack and plays and things like that. Uh, Also, uh, you can grab a bottle and fill a bottle for us for the baby bottle boomerang that helps keep our doors open we have 120 clients that come to see us and a lot of those are uh, fellows too who have custody of their children so uh, anything you can do if you'd like to come and volunteer and be part of uh, oxford women's care center there's an opportunity for you to do that too and if you'd like to serve on the board, we'll be glad to have you there. I know there's a couple people who already have done that and uh, here at Cobblestone, but we have about six different churches represented on our board. I love it. And how specifically can we be praying for you in the coming weeks? In the coming weeks, we have uh, uh, so much. Uh, we have a new storage building. Someone has uh, graciously given us money to have a new storage building put in the back, and we're having some problems with the city and permits. I don't know if anybody else does. But but you can pray for us that we can get this building up and going so we can free that basement up so we can finish that basement and better use it for our clients. But also uh, pray for us, our my staff and the board and stuff, that we when we deal with our clients that we can uh, show the love of God and I know it's happening because our clients are coming in and saying, can you pray for us? And I'm like, oh, yes, right then and there. You know, and I'm teaching that prayer changes things. God changes things. We can plant those seeds. But just remember us in your prayers that we can keep on doing what we're doing. And thank you. Thank you. And I want to pray over Trina right
3: now. And I will ask you in the, in the coming weeks, uh, if you think about Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created, right? He is in the life-giving business. And so if you will think every time you open Genesis, I challenge you to be praying for the Oxford Pregnancy Center. Let's pray right now. Father, thank you that life starts with you. Thank you that you knit us together still in our mother's womb, that all our days were ordained, and how cool that you have uh, given Trina and, and those that work with her this vision of encouraging life, bringing hope. I ask that you will bless her efforts, that you will take care of all the details from permits to who walks in the door to the conversations that need to happen. I ask that all those details will be uh, covered so completely in you that it's easy to give you credit and easy to know that you are the one in charge. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Charge for today, but really the idea for the next two weeks is prayer, how essential it is, uh, and to stir us up to be a church that prays first, second, last, third, fourth, fifth, all the time. We, we, that's our first response. That's our second response. We just always pray. Um, Jesus actually had some bold things to say uh, about the idea that you can do the Christian life or you can do life at all without him and so in John 15:5 which is not where i had you turn he said these words apart from me you can do nothing so nothing's a big word because it's not something Uh, And I think sometimes we take it for granted that it doesn't say something, it says nothing. You can do nothing apart from me. And so if we're to be a place that's rooted in what God's called us to be, it's got to be first and foremost a house of prayer and a house that calls on God's name and asks him to do crazy things. And I know a lot of us in this room, because I talk to you, you're DIY people, DIY do-it-yourself people. So you have a house project, you're like, pay a drywaller or do it myself. It might not look as good, but I'll save some money doing it myself. I don't know how to change a car battery, but I'm going to try, right? Because we're just do DIY kind of people. But when you're talking about like with what God says, it's deadly to be a people that's DIY. And so one of the things I knew I was supposed to show you is that really Jesus' whole life and the early church's whole life, their main ministry was prayer. So we usually think... Prayers, the the secondary thing to get. I mean, the, or the first thing you kind of have to check off before you get to the real stuff, but that's not what you see in Scripture. And so Jesus really, I mean, said in 5, John five nineteen, I do nothing by myself. I only do what I see my Father doing. So Jesus would hang out with the Father, see what the Father was doing, and then go emulate that. And how much more so should we be doing that? So if, I, if you were just to take a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and I love Luke because it's just my favorite gospel. I think it's because he's a Gentile. But if you were just to walk through it and look at Jesus' life, there's a lot of times you're going to notice he's doing one specific thing. So I'll just start at the beginning of Luke, and I'm going to walk through it, and I'm going to walk through Acts, and then I'm gonna get, I'll finally get to First Peter. Luke chapter 3, 21, you have Jesus praying at his baptism. So he's not only doing this obedience to the Father, he's talking to the Father, Holy Spirit comes down. Chapter four, you have Jesus praying through his temptation. He's praying, he's talking to God, he's asking for help. Uh, chapter five of Luke, he tells, uh, it tells us, Luke tells us that Jesus, Jesus goes off alone a lot to pray. So if I was to look at your life, how often do you, do you go off alone to pray? Would it be categorized as a lot? That's probably more than one or two. Uh, in, in chapter 6, Jesus, before he chooses his disciples, he spends the entire night before praying. In, in Luke nine, 9 eighteen, uh, he presents this question to his disciples, who do you say that I am? And he spent the entire afternoon before praying. So before he does anything big, anything small, picking disciples, going into temptation, getting baptized, Jesus is praying. And in chapter 11, um, the disciples, they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, which I think is fascinating because it's Jesus teaches us how to preach. Jesus teaches us how to do miracles. Jesus teaches us how to do so many things they could have said, no, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And I think it's because they watched him do it so much. And so in chapter 18, Jesus taught his disciples always to pray. Always is another big word, just like nothing. And then chapter 22, Jesus promises Peter he'll pray for him during his hour of trial. So Jesus is responding to this trial that Peter's going to have with, I'm going to pray for you and God's going to strengthen you, but Satan's going to get you. Jesus commands his disciples to pray in Luke 22 so they won't fall into temptation. So he's commanding them to pray, to stand up temptation, to sleep and not watch guard over him while he's praying. In chapter 23, Jesus' last breath at the hour of his death was a prayer. So if you take the beginning of Jesus' life through all of his ministry to his death on a cross, it is filled with, almost to the brim, with more prayer than talking. And because of it, there's power and there's life and there's spirit. And so if Jesus, God in the flesh, a person of third person of the felt like he could do nothing on his own but was always driven to pray, how much more should we be driven to pray, right? And I know I can start a sermon with like, you all know you're supposed to pray. If I came out here and was like, Christians are supposed to pray, no one's like, what? We know we're supposed to. But the prayer today is that the spirit of God would like like grow something in us that's like this gnawing, like I can't do anything else. I'm gonna go to the grocery. I should pray first. Why? I don't know what I'm gonna meet there. Ice cream. You never know. Somebody could have licked it, right? It could have been weird. So, like, we need to be a people of prayer, and we see it in Jesus' life. And so do we think that we're more capable than Jesus to live a Christian life, to walk in power, to be the people that God created us to be without it? And if, if I'm being honest, then the lack of prayer in some of our lives says yes, we do think that. So not only Jesus' life, he commissions his disciples to his ministry, to building the kingdom of his father. And so prayer was the foundation of the early church's ministry. Did you hear that? The early church's first thing primarily that they do, they would get together with a group group of Christians, high group of Christians, and they would primarily pray. They would pray, God, there's these people, they don't really like us, we need you to make us bold. And then God had shook the building and made them bold. And then that's when they started yelling about how good God was. They prayed first. Prayed first, and fervently, and all together, and God moved. And so if you walk through the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, they all joined together constantly in prayer, in their homes, in the temple. I'm thinking whenever they just met each other, they're like, let's pray, a, let's pray a quick prayer here. We need God's help. In Acts chapter 2, 42, they devoted themselves again to Prayer. It's like over and over and over and over. It's just like, it's almost like the through line of what God's people do is they pray. Acts 4, they prayed for an outpouring of signs and wonders in persecution. And guess what? God delivered. Mightily. In, in Acts 6, the apostles devoted themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So the apostles are feeling all this weight uh, that they have to serve some tables. And so there's where deacons show up and all these things. But their ministry The apostles' ministry was to pray, was to be like Jesus, hang out with the Father, and then go do what he told them to do. And if you read Acts, you'll find that the Spirit wouldn't let them go to certain spots because they they would hang out with God, they'd be able to hear, and I want that for you. I want you to walk down Kroger aisles. you get to the ice cream aisle, the Lord's like, don't go down that aisle. Yes, Lord. Bread, no carbs, don't go down that aisle. But then the next aisle you turn down, it's not for food, it's Susie, right? Because God had a divine appointment for you to walk down that aisle and pray for Susie that she might be free of whatever anxiety she's carrying with her and you carry Jesus with you. And so it seemed like to the early church that it was more important to talk to God about people than people about God, almost. Like the reason they talk to people about God so much is because they talk to God so much. And so here's your charge, 1 Peter, finally, chapter 5, verse 6, 6 to 10-ish. It's going to give you three things you need to do. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. Now, this verse, you should write it down, you should memorize it, you should herald it, you should be like, this has good news in it, but it also has a hard challenge right up front. Humble yourself. This will be the number one reason half of you don't pray. Number one reason you don't pray is because you won't humble yourself. Because you think you have it together. And how do I know that? Because you don't pray until things go to crap. And then it's smash glass, pray in case of emergency. So our prayerlessness reveals that we haven't humbled because a humble life submits, sits before the Lord, trusts the Lord. God, I'm yours, I'm not in control. It takes one phone call. And I've heard enough of them and been in enough rooms with crying moms and dads. It takes one phone call to ruin your illusion of control. You are not in control. The Lord is. And you belong to him. So to death with your pride. Humble yourself before the Lord under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So who does the exalting? God, right? So normally we, we, we take this out of order. All right, Lord, I need help. And then we go right to, and now I will exalt myself. I gave God a chance. No, no, no. You sit under the goodness of God and the trusting of the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit, he wants to exalt you, that's the the rhythm. He does the exalting. You put your hope in him. The last command, it says, casting all your anxieties on him. Now, I love that picture. Casting is not a, like, passive idea. It's like if I took this stand and tried to chuck it as far as I could. It's if I tried to throw something off of me with great vigor and power. I don't want this. I don't need this. Casting all your anxieties. Now, i talk talked to a lot of people. There's a lot of anxieties represented in this room. There's probably some financial anxieties. Some of your alls kids give you anxieties. You might just have hives being in church. I don't know what your anxieties are. Casting, once again, I love words of the Bible, all Your anxieties. So there's not a pile that are reserved for you to deal with. Casting all of them. So all my nervousness, all my pride, all that I am, I'm going to cast it on him. And why am I going to do that? And that's the kicker. Why am I doing that? Because he cares for you. Do you hear that? He cares for you. He cares for you. So Noah... My six-year-old wakes up this morning, and out of his mouth, very first thing is, God, I just need you to know I beat this level in Zelda last night. Very first thing. It's like 6.30 in the morning. And I'm like, yep, (laughs) so proud of you, bud. And then he went to do his devotional, and I was like, nah, thank you. Uh, So, because he cares for you. So I will talk to Noah about, I, w- I want Noah to talk to me. I care about what Noah cares about. I want to hear what Noah has to say because I care about Noah. And how much more does our heavenly father care about you? So my hope for my kids is not my parenting skill. It's not to read a book about three P- things that start with P. Potty. Pride. I don't even know the words that I would use. It's not about learning a set of rules to be a good parent. My only hope is that God himself will raise up my kids. So my hope for my marriage is not three good techniques to love Annabelle better and communicate better. My whole hope is in God's grace to fill me with the love to die for her and her the love to honor me. Like, My hope for this place doesn't lie in better programs or techniques or getting the right people. My hope is in God's power and grace entirely. And, And so it's not skill or even like biblical knowledge that's sufficient. And I'll tell you, Jeremiah 17 actually says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So Jesus didn't save us by teaching us principles. He saved us by the power of the resurrection. And so it's a tragedy to master all these principles about prayer. Prayer is ABCs or acts, adoration, confession, like Thanksgiving, supplication. You ever learn that? That's a Principle. What we need is the Holy Spirit of God to ring us out and show us how we can't and our deep need and desperation for him, and then we'll pray. So once again, my, my kids naturally approach me with just an undaunted boldness. 4.30 this morning, Grace busts in my room, right? I mean, straight into the bed screaming that she wants a milk first. So I want some milk. And I'm like, babe, it's 4.30, sit down, be quiet, right? And then she's like, and I want a And So number one, we don't do passies in our house anymore. They're not even in the house. I can't get her one if there was. But then I was like, I'll look for one. So I got my flashlight out and acted like I was looking for one. And then, anyway, that was my morning. My approach, my point is, is my kids just feel an undaunted confidence to ask me at any time of the hour for anything. And that's the human picture. That's the human picture of what God has called us into. All, all of, actually, Jesus' parables really come to a point when they talk about prayer. Jesus, it, it, if you read them, and I hope you read them this week, that it'll end with, and Jesus told this parable so that they would never give up and always pray. One of them is in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. It says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, number one, he just called you evil fathers. If you're a dad in the room, he just equated with, here's where God's love and grace and goodness is, and here's where you are as a good earthly father. In comparison, you're evil. But if your kid asks you for a scorpion, that's the parable. If your kid asks you for a chicken nugget, grace didn't ask me for milk last night. And I was like, I don't have milk, but I got snakes. Like, I didn't do that. Right? And so what would your prayers look like for others, for you, for these anxieties that you're casting, if you actually believed that God had that kind of love for you and that kind of love for other people? Your prayers would change. And so my conviction, cobblestone, is that God wants to do some great things at this church. Like, he really does. And I don't think he's calling us to be a manageable, respectful church. I think he's calling us to be a church that, like, charges the gates of hell and throws out nets wide to they almost bust with the fruit that's getting dragged in. But it will only happen if we humble ourselves and we pray. So let me ask you, it's not designed to be Hateful, it's just, what are your prayers about? What are your prayers? Are they mealtime and bedtime prayers only? What are you praying about? And if they're just trite little prayers of like, help me with the job and the quiz and give me traveling mercies, please stop. Because in all of these things, there's an invitation. I heard talk, there's an invitation to not just talk at God, but to talk with God. To be a people that take him at his word and go, God, you said, ask for, ask, and I'm, so I'm asking. And I want to know what you think, and then he shows you. Like, this is the beautiful thing that we as the people, God, have the opportunity to do, which is to pray in all things and then watch God respond and answer. So I don't know where your struggle with prayer is. Have you forgotten how desperate you are? Maybe you think you got it under control until I show you, or until life shows you, you don't. Or, or maybe you're not bold or confident in God's love toward you. Like, you're like, I don't even know if I can talk to him or if he wants to hear from me. You're talking like a slave, not a son. Have you ever given up and stopped praying? Anybody? Like, if we were real honest, me and you, have you ever just stopped praying? Because you're like, I don't know what good it does. Those are all signs that you need the Holy Spirit to make, transform you again and fill you with a fire that we might be the people of God that are, that are, we pray. If Susan sees you in Kroger, she almost runs because she's like, oh, they're going to pray for me. <laughs> right? That we would be known as, not, not in that heavy-handed way, but that those people love me and they'll pray for me. Those people love me and they'll pray for me. That's what I want to be known for, and so here's what my hope is, is that uh, this is what I had in my head, that we would be a church that prays for one another, and I want to do it a little differently, Uh, and so I had two groups in my mind, uh, and and this is how it's going to work, just so you know, so you don't accidentally raise your hand and get embarrassed, all right, in a second, I'm going to have everybody put their eyes down and heads down, just one of you will peek, but whatever, and then the first group will be this group. It's If you're in here and you feel like your prayers are stuck, like you're trying to pray, man. Like you've been trying to grit it out, and you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling. They feel a little empty. You're like, Jesus, I want to, but I can't. I want to pray for you. And the way we're going to do that, with everybody's head down, you're going to raise your hand, and then everybody else in the room is going to gather around you. And you're like, well, that sounds intimidating. Never raising my hand now unless God tells you to. So I'd listen to him rather than your own little inner voice. The second group I'm going to keep secret because it's going to bust your pride. Good. So if you would, would you bow your heads? And so if you're in here, there's really no shame. I think everybody's been there. But you feel like your, your prayers are stuck. They're hitting the ceiling. You feel empty. You're just... You're desperate for Jesus, but you're like, I just can't. I don't know how. I don't want. I, even if you don't want to, maybe you're not confident in God's love, or you just forgotten how desperate. Like, if you would just be bold enough to raise your hand. like Get your hand up. Get it up high. Raise your hand, and people are going to come pray for you. Don't be shy about it, though. And I'm going to wait a few like, good 20 seconds, because it usually takes a little bit. Get your hand up. And then if you're on our prayer team, like if you're on our prayer team and you've been trained in prayer, would you find those people first before I unleash the rest of this room? So prayer team members, elders, pastors, anybody with their hand up, I want you to get to them first so that you're leading the charge. And you still have time to raise your hand and say, hey, I need, I need a breakthrough. I need God. I need something. I need, my prayers just feel hindered almost. And so now everybody else, people with their hands up, you, if you want to gather around them in little just holy communities, we're going to ask them to put our hands on them and we're going to pray that God would break through. And so if you're in this room, find somebody that's got their hand up or that has, well, they don't have their hand up anymore, We're not going to find them, but anybody with their hand up still, church, I'm, I'm, church, I'm commissioning you to do the work, I'm not a leader, the body. You can do this. You can pray. And even if you're in here and you're like, what right do I to have to pray for them? Every right if you're in Christ. And so, Jesus, I thank you for the beautiful thing that's about to happen, that freedom in your name is about to happen. That just by raising their hand, they're acknowledging their need for you. That's a great place to be. Honor their humility. Holy Spirit, fill them. May they hear you set them free in your name so church if you would pray for those people out loud as the Lord leads and in a second I'll lead a different direction you just keep praying for those people that raise their hand first, but there's a second group. I think there's probably people in the room that feel like they don't have any problems. They don't need anybody to pray for them. In fact, if you were real honest, you'd say, you know what? I'm I'm actually feeling pretty good about where I am with the Lord. And that might be true, Um, but I really felt like maybe you should raise your hand and we should pray for you. Because usually right about the time we feel like we're just fine where we are, I find that God wants to do something. So if you have your head up, you just bow your head again. And then if you're in here and you're like, man, everything's fine. I'm good where I am with the Lord. I don't think, there's, I, don't think I have anything that needs changed. I just want you to raise your hand. Because you're willing to say, God, I want you to break in. I want you to show up. I want you to show off. I want more of you. And if there's something in you that's like, I'm not raising my hand, that's your pride speaking. So if you would, raise your hand. And then prayer warriors, anybody else that's in this room that's not already praying with somebody, elders and prayer team members, and anybody else that's in this room with their heads down. You can raise your heads and then go pray for those people with their hands up. So I'm going to leave you all this service in prayer to God. And so I also know that there's a high likelihood that somebody in the room was like, man, I should have raised my hand. And so our prayer teams are going to be up here and up here. You didn't miss the Lord at all. And I would invite you to come and have them pray for you, either if you need breakthrough or you're just feeling the Lord lead you. Everyone else, you're welcome to stick around to pray, to repent, to ask questions. Prayer teams will be up here for you too. We're just gonna worship our way out. You are free to go. I love you. Keep praying for one another if you're praying for one another. It's never a bad thing to raise your hand and be like, God, I need you. So prayer teams, get up here. Everybody else, I love you. Let me pray one last prayer over you. Jesus, Thanks for what you've done and you're doing in this room. I pray as we go, God, we go with this fire in us to talk to you all the time, to not hold back and to believe you at your word, to cast all our anxiety, to be a people that are humble and a people that are hungry for your presence and for your goodness. Send them to their workplaces and their homes and to Kroger and to Taco Bell full of you, show off your glory, fill them overflowing, silence the voice of the enemy. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. I love you. Jesus loves you more. I'll see you next week.